Welcome back to Basketball is Religion with the Gons and Big Matt. In today's episode, we discuss what happened to the Lakers in their blowout loss to the Golden State Warriors in Game 2 of the Western Conference Semifinals. We talk little Celtic Sixers, Coach Bud being let go by the Milwaukee Bucks, and I quiz the Gons on the coaches with the most playoff wins. If my audio sounds a little weird, I am using my backup mic today. My apologies for the sound quality. Let's get into it. Gons, how have you been? Happy Friday, Cinco de Mayo. I am, I am Orale Holmes. I'm, I'm a super excited. I'm going to ESPN in a couple hours to, to sit with Mason and Ireland and Travis and Sliwa. Um, and yeah, man, I'm, uh, I'm disappointed. But I knew the Lakers would lose yesterday. So, I mean, we, we got the home court. So, I'm, I'm good. So before we got in our pod today, before we get to the Lakers, you said we're, we're, when we go to Vegas next week, we'll, we'll be in Vegas late late next week. We're going to be going to Top Golf. I've actually never never been to Top Top Golf, but I was a not I, I was a golf you know, player growing up. I did you know do driving ranges with my dad, so it's good to it's good to remind me of my dad. Um, played a few holes, but then now the Gons Gons is now an avid golfer. Golfing what once a month, doing driving ranges, top golf. Talk to us yeah. about, about your golf journey, Gons. Two or two or three times, maybe two three times a month. Um, it's the tricky part is just to find a customer to go with, just because, uh, you know, I'm trying to build a relationship. So, but luckily for me, my job requires getting to build relationships. So, I'm starting to like it a lot. Um, my form is horrible, but I was just told to hit how you feel comfortable, and that's what I'm doing. So, um, yeah, no, man, it's coming along. It's a lot of fun. I just don't want to quit playing basketball and like dive into golf. So I told my wife, like, for sure, I'm going to get back into playing basketballs on Sundays. Cause, um, yeah, I enjoy that too much to stop playing now at 38, like when I'm 45, maybe, but I got a little juice left in me, especially since last season, I think I put up 16 points a game against these young guys. So guys, yeah, show the young kids how it's done. We're not, we're, not, we're not quite the old timers yet, but like you said, we're getting there. Um, how far can you drive it now, Guns? And on on the golf range at top at top golf, how far can you drive it? It's a hit or miss, Matt. It's really hard to hit with a driver. Still, um, you know, I can I'll have a swing that just goes freaking I don't know three hundred like just really far three hundred feet um, or three hundred yards. I don't know what the lingo is, and then I'll have a swing that doesn't get any air, but goes far it's I, I would still categorize myself as a beginner but top golf is not really golf if that makes sense it's um, a driving range right it, all it, it is it is but it's like it's it's just more social than anything golf really i mean you are hitting with a driver and you are getting it into a like a point it's a point system um but it's so easy to get points to make the target so big. Uh, but it's definitely great for accuracy. Um, and it's just really fun to play. Like I didn't think I went for the first time and it was just a really fun. Cause even if you suck and never picked up a club, you're going to get some points. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of fun. Out of our, our out of all of our friends who are going, who do you think is going to hit the longest drive when we go to top golf next week? Well, it all depends. Cause you could hit the really long, long, like long, long, um, goal like 
where they have where you get a lot of points, or you could just play the short game that and get like you know strategically get 20 points, 20 points, 20 points. Like you don't have to go for the three pointer and get the 50 pointer. Um, so it's just you don't have to have long game, you can have short game. I think accuracy is more important, uh, versus hitting the ball. Now, if you're Tam Chu, you're probably gonna do both, but uh, I'll probably go for the short game, man, and just get the easy, the easy buckets. The easy buckets are what the Lakers needed last night. I was trying to avoid it a little bit coming into this podcast, but the Lakers got absolutely destroyed last night, 127 to 100. Clay Thompson you know, did, forgot this was game two and not game six uh, when he was down. Um, put up, like, I think it was eight for 11 in three-point range, like 30-something points. That man could not be stopped. He looked like pre-injury clay out there, just, just flamethrowers coming out of his ears. Absolutely insane. We saw Anthony Davis have a, not quite a transcendent, but a really good 30-20 game, game one, was shut down game two. We can kind of get into the reasons why. A little bit later on, LeBron had a great first half, but then second half, once the Warriors made that run in the third quarter, you could see his effort level kind of go down and dwindle down. Then once it got up to 20, it was pretty much just dead time after that. So uh, before I get some more depression gones and keep going, got, how did you feel about last night's game for the Lakers? It was expected. I knew that um, they were going to come out with an attack plan against Davis. And you know they 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 kind of doubled him when he got the ball, and they left him get a lot of outside shots, and he didn't make them. Um, and I think that's smart because I for them at least he's not he's not the greatest outside shooter. Even if they're 10, 12 feet away from the basket, he wasn't really able to attack the rim because they were just giving him the shot, and he he took it, he missed. Um, it just it, he he didn't show up, man. Uh, I felt like he needed to be more assertive. And I think Steve Kerr just wrote up a great game plan. And it, it hurts, Matt, because LeBron James shot the ball well, especially in the first half. D'Angelo Russell shot the ball well. Some players played exceptionally well yesterday. The players that didn't show up was Austin Reeves and Anthony Davis. Uh, I thought everyone else did fairly well. Um, and I was disappointed that we lost the way that we did. I don't know. I don't really, I think we need a spark. I mean, maybe play Mo Bamba. Like, you know, maybe he could come in and do something. I'm not saying take Davis out, but maybe give Davis some rest and he could be more energized and have Mo Bamba come off the bench. I don't think Mo Bamba got any minutes yesterday. I think Bamba's still injured. He was out game one. I couldn't find anywhere he, where he was out game two, but I assume just he was out game two because we saw the uh, the immortal Tristan Thompson, who the Lakers got at the end hey, of the season. He did okay. He did okay too. Five rebounds, five points in like a couple minutes. Maybe maybe he's the guy, right? I don't know. Uh, that was garbage time gone. Let's not, <laughs> let's not wait that to actual. I'm just saying this. Dude, I don't know. Lonnie Walker can score. At least he got some minutes yesterday. His shot didn't go down like I like. But at the end of the day, Matt, I think it just comes down to Anthony Davis and what how he's going to play. He's definitely proven to be the most valuable player on the Lakers. It just it ebbs and flows with him. If he plays well uh, on offense, uh, honestly, defensive wise, he's still a dynamo, but offensively, if he doesn't play well, the Lakers engine just seems to kind of get blown out. Um, let's talk about Draymond Green. Draymond Green, I wouldn't say struggled game one, but he didn't have a great game one, given how Anthony Davis kind of killed him on, on the off on, uh, on the offensive end. Uh, but game two outside of Clay Thompson, he might've been the best player 
in on the floor. Um, that second and third quarter, after the Lakers had a seven-point lead after the first quarter, the Lakers were outscored by close to 40 points. I think the engine of that was Draymond with his defense playing a lot really high up on Anthony Davis. Like, wh- What else did you see from Draymond that deterred Anthony Davis, and why was he more effective game two than game one? I think Draymond got going on offense early. I mean, he had, I don't know, three, four times where he just drove it into the lane and dunked it or just put up a layup. Like, I don't even know how that happened. Now that I'm watching, like, I think it was all on fast breaks, actually. And what was happening is uh, the Warriors were running the ball. Um, Draymond was running the floor. He got going offensively. Once a player gets going offensively, he gets going defensively. We saw the same thing with Anthony Davis. He couldn't get going offensively, and he struggled defensively. Um, I think that's that's what it was for Draymond Green. And, and you got to figure out a way to stop them running the ball like that because if it comes down to effort at some point of running back and getting back um, because there's no way Draymond, he was so wide open. And of course you have Curry. He's going to get, get it to him like right on the head. So, I mean, that had a lot to do with it. The Warriors game plan tactically changed a little bit. Um, they said Kevon Looney was sick or injured or whatever. Um, an hour before game time, he was questionable to play. Um, they actually short um, made their starting lineup a little bit smaller by starting Jamichael Green. Um, he did end up making, I believe it was two or three three-pointers, so he did provide. The Lakers treated Jamichael Green like every other team has treated you know, uh, Jared Vanderbilt by just leaving him wide open. Um, it seemed to pay off for them. They went a little bit smaller. Uh, Draymond was attacking Anthony Davis pretty well on, on, on defense. He played a little bit more up. Um, what did you think about Jermichael Green entering that starting lineup for the Warriors? I think it goes hand in hand with them playing faster. I think we weren't prepared for that. And um, it hurt us because Kevin Looney, although he's been playing exceptionally well than the norm, Kevin, Kevin Looney, his feet can't move as quick to keep up with Anthony Davis. And like we saw yesterday, Anthony Davis wasn't able to get in the seams and attack how he likes to attack forcing him to do his little floaters, and he's missing those. So if I'm Steve Kerr, I keep J. Michael Green in and play him again. But now if I'm Darvin Ham, I got to come up with a counter move, Matt. I mean, what's the counter move to them playing faster? They're smaller, right? So you got to figure out a way to get it in the post, and how do you suppose we do that? Because it seems like we couldn't even get the ball into the post. Or was AD not not attacking in the post like he should be? They were Draymond was pressing him up really, really tightly on that on that free throw line. They kind of gave him a little bit of a buffer last game because he, he didn't want to attack him. He didn't want him attacking the rim, but AD just seemed to be okay living around that free throw line, kind of settling for shots. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think next game, the adjustment is just put, it's just getting him down lower so that he can be more effective around the rim. In a post-game press conference after the game, he said he had gotten the same same types of shots after game one or from game one to game two it was the same type of shots. They just went down in game one after watching both games. I kind of don't believe that because he no. seemed, it seemed like the, the baskets he was getting in game one were much closer to the rim. Um, when he was shooting those mid range jumpers, it's what, you know, golden state kind of wants him to do. If he's going to settle for jumpers, he's the only guy really getting rebounds too, because I didn't see Rui Hachimura nor LeBron James really fight for rebounds yesterday. It was really just Anthony Davis. And, you know, once Anthony Davis wasn't on the floor, they weren't getting any or closer to the rim. They weren't getting any rebounds. So, I mean, with with 
with Anthony Davis, he just needs to be more aggressive and get around the rim as opposed to kind of settle. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And I agree with you on the rebounds. I mean, I saw a play where it was a huge momentum changer and Schroeder just had to box out. And he was anticipating the Lakers rebounding and they didn't. And then I think it was Poole or someone that was right there for the putback. And I think that putbacks happened like four or five times. Uh, that You can't do that with the Warriors. So, yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Anthony Davis has to change it up. And Darvin Ham needs to. And not just Davis. There's LeBron James who had Steph, Steph, Stephen Curry on him. And instead of backing him down all the way, he did a turnaround on one foot fadeaway shot that he missed. And D'Angelo Russell did that too. Um, so, I mean, if you guys got these smaller guards on you, attack them. I, I don't understand why you're settling for the fadeaways and jumpers. Get to the rim. Uh, the Lakers only had one more free throw than Golden State after they had such a wide free throw discrepancy in game one. So they need to attack the rim. Like you said, they need to get they need to get to the line in game three. For game three, back at Crypto.com Arena on Saturday, the Lakers are favored, but they're only favored by, I believe it's two. Um, if you look at the line right now, Gonz, I believe the Lakers are only favored by two. Um, for betting-wise, the home team always gets three points. So essentially, it's a Warriors plus one situation, but it's since it's a home team, the Lakers are minus two. Gonz, game three, the Lakers most likely will be energized by a crazy uh, crypto crowd on Saturday do you think the Lakers get game three or the Warriors have more momentum and pull this one out? I mean, okay. I know it's the playoffs, but the Warriors stunk on the road all season. So there's some, there's a factor there, whether you like it or not. So with that being said, I think Lakers are going to easily cover the spread. And I think they should win game four too. Like, I don't, I wonder what it is. There's something. Maybe they're not comfortable playing not in their arena. Maybe it's the, the rim. Who knows? So if the Lakers crowd brings it, um, and honestly, Matt, they fouled so much yesterday because they're playing aggressive. They got called for a lot of fouls, but they also didn't, right, because they're playing at home. So I think what happens is when the Lakers play at home, they're going to get the benefit of those calls, and the Warriors are going to get more foul trouble than they were yesterday. And if that happens, that's game over, Lakers. Because Curry was reaching. Draymond was pushing. I mean, there are little fouls, but Draymond was all over 80. Uh, Clay Thompson was fouling. So I think that's a difference maker right there. I agree. I think the Lakers get game three. Um, Anthony Davis... If you look, the trend he has this playoffs is insane because it seems like he has a. It's every other Davis, you know. It's it's they have he has a good game or odd game Davis, or he'll have a good game one, game three, game five, but games two, four aren't aren't weren't really good. Um, this you know this past postseason, so it looks like we're gonna have it. If trends go correctly, Anthony Davis is gonna have a good game. So that kind of brings you to game four with. If they don't have, if they have a subpar Anthony Davis on Monday next Monday, I I, I think the the lines may be maybe closer to Warriors minus one too. So so the Lakers game four Sunday. Let's get a prediction there. Um, with the maybe not as hundred percent Anthony Davis going into that even number game. Who do you think takes game four? I think the Lakers will take game four, and I think the Warriors will take game five, and I think the Lakers finish it in game six. Yeah, I mean, if the, if you picked Lakers in six anyway, that seems to be what was going to happen. Pick up the first, pick up one of the two, sweep at home, 
and then when uh, and then lose game five when it came six. So I, I'll, I'll agree with you there. Lakers in six. Let's move on. Uh, we'll have a, some quick thoughts about the Celtics versus the 76ers. Uh, first and foremost, congratulations to Joel Embiid for winning the most valuable player of the 2022-2023 season. Um, second place was Jokic. Third place was Giannis. Fourth place was Tatum. Fifth place was actually SGA. So congrats to the Gons for you know, siding with SGA all season. Um, but Joel Embiid got his first MVP after being runner-up the last two years. Um, unfortunately, it didn't co- didn't coincide with the 76ers victory after they lost to to Boston in Game 2 uh, with Joel Embiid coming back. Uh, felt, James Harden fell back to earth. Uh, Joel Embiid did not have a great game, uh, pretty limited. They got blown out in that third quarter. But then Jason Tatum also didn't have a great game too. So, Gons, what was your reaction to game games uh, game two of the Philly versus Celtics series? I think, I think what happens is a team gets comfortable after they win one game on the road. They feel like, hey, I stole home court, and I think we've seen time after time. I, in fact, in the I think this whole playoffs, the other team tends to win. I don't think we've seen a 2-0, maybe the Denver series. Well, that was a statistic. It was if the home team loses game one, the last 16 times that happened, the 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 home team will win game two. So that was a trend. It happened last night with the Lakers Warriors too. Yeah, yeah. So I mean that's just what happens. Um I, I honestly I think Philadelphia is gonna come back strong and win game three in Philadelphia. I I, I think it'll be a blowout, in fact. And then I think they may even win game four. I really think Philadelphia is going to win this series. I think they're a better team. Philadelphia game three. Let me look at the odds. Because I, I kind of want to do or looking was looking at something because I think your Celtics are actually favored by two and a half. In Philly. So Philly I take that bet all day. Or like if you look at something, you know, if you look at your where, where you put place your bets. Maybe a Philly, you know, minus 10 adjusted line. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how much that would come off at. Maybe at three to one, four to one odds. So, no, I'll, I'll talk to you more about that, you know, next, um, later, maybe during the weekend. But regardless, so yeah, um, I still think the Celtics are going to win the series. Jason Tatum, he, he, had, he had a bad game and they still won. Um, he's, even though Jalen Brown is playing well, I think I still think Jason Tatum is their best player. I think they're going to win that series. Um, let's move on. There was a um, mid-afternoon uh, coach, Mike Budenholzer, coach well, Coach Bud from the Milwaukee Bucks, um, was fired yesterday um, after losing the first round to the Miami Heat. They were the best team going into the playoffs, but lost in five games to the Heat. Um, unfortunately, you know, I was calling for Coach Bud to get fired. I think a lot of NBA Twitter is calling for Coach Bud to get fired. But unfortunately, he did end up losing his brother to an auto accident, you know, mid-series. So I can't imagine his head was fully into it. So I feel bad for kind of calling for that guy's firing because, you know, with, with that with something traumatic that ha- was happening that much, I'm just surprised he was there coaching as opposed to, you know, grieving. But again, I, I, I can't tell anyone how to grieve a loss. So if that was more like an escape for him, I don't know. Um, I, I can't get into his head. Um, Gons, who, um, what were your thoughts on Coach Bud's firing in Milwaukee? Was it deserved? And now that he's gone, who do you think the Bucks should get next? You know, I was talking to Miguel about this yesterday when we were watching the game, and um, he seems to agree with you. I mean, you got to know when to step away. And 
I'm going to give Bud the benefit of the doubt and assume he was ready to coach, but I don't see in any circumstance if you lose a sibling that you're relatively close with that you're in the right state of mind to coach a game. And it reflected. Maybe it wasn't his brother, but he made some bonehead decisions. And again, I was talking to Miguel about this. He made some bad moves in a crucial series when he was missing his star for three games. I think Milwaukee Bucks make the move here because they already have someone in mind. That's a very, very, very lucrative job. Uh, You know, maybe Nick Nurse wants to take that job. He'd be a good fit. He's familiar with the conference. And I think, quite frankly, he hasn't had that kind of talent. You could argue he did with Kawhi, but it was still injured Kawhi. Now you're giving him a totally different squad. I think he can do great things. I think it was more, it was less Bud and it was more we want Nick Nurse, honestly. Nick Nurse would be perfect for that team. When he finally had a superstar in Kawhi Leonard, he won the championship and with a solid, you know, supporting cast, but with a superstar. Uh, they won the championship. You had called for Toronto to get a superstar the last few seasons or the last couple seasons. Um, that was the key to their success. I didn't think so because I thought Siakam was turning into one, but you're ultimately right there. Um, the, the Raptors did not get a superstar. They kind of stopped listening to him because he is kind of a micromanager, and that's what happens to Nick Nurse in Toronto. He got fired. To go to Milwaukee's for this opportunity for to open up for him, for him being such a micromanager, and for Giannis to not try to be assertive in his, you know, I'll, 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 I'll be the one to take Jimmy Butler. I'll be the one to score. Like he's kind of referent, he's differential, differential to the coach. Nick Nurse will do wonders over there. Uh, watch out for Milwaukee with him coaching next season because I think you're right. It's going to be Nick Nurse next season. So with this coaching stuff, I have a game, I have a small game for you before we leave today, Gons. Um, ESPN after the game posted the graphic that Steve Kerr was three wins away from approaching 100 playoff wins in his coaching career. So him, Draymond, uh, Curry, uh, Clay Thompson, they're at 97 wins. If they end up beating the Lakers here in the second round, he'll get to 100 wins. They're currently in in NBA history. There are six coaches um, that have 100 wins in the playoffs. Can you name... Uh, I was going over this with my friends. I was watching the, the game um, with my friends at the bar yesterday. As far as I, I got to four out of the six, um, I had to be reminded of the other two. So, Gons, can you give me four of the six coaches that currently have a hundred or more playoff wins? Phil Jackson. Okay. Lenny Wilkins. Nope. Jerry Sloan. Nope. Jerry Sloan is at ninety-eight. Crazy. Lenny Wilkins, 80. Hmm. I thought those are for, for sure. Uh, ooh. Uh, now, uh, um, Miami's coach, Eric Spolstra. Yeah, Filipino Pride, 101. Let's go. That's two. Give me two more. Now, it has to be a coach that's coached a while. 100 wins is a lot, man. Um. Are there any current coaches or are these all past? One, oh, two current coaches. Tom Thibodeau? Tom Thibodeau is not on here. Uh, Rudy Tomjanovich? Rudy Tomjanovich, not on here. Oh, he has 51. 
right. Uh, uh, can you give me some clues, man? Um, All right. Um, let's see. One. Okay. This n- number two. Um, coached three separate franchises. Um, the Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers. That's the one I thought I didn't get last night. I was like, yeah, that's three. He has one oh nine. Crazy Doc has one oh nine. I I would have never guessed that, but I, he is a top one of the top ten coaches of all time. We went over that last a few podcasts ago, but yeah. All right, one more. Give me one more. Not Utah, not Philly. Oh, Greg Popovich. Yes, Greg Popovich has 169 wins in the playoffs. Would you like to guess the other two? George Carl? Nope. 80 wins for George Carl. Oh, that's close. Um, I guess that would be... It's for me. I'm trying to think of uh I thought Jerry Sloan, but he said no. I said Lenny Wilkins, he said no. Um Pat Riley. There it is, Pat Riley. One more. I'm not gonna get I I I am good with just five out of six. Yeah. Who's, the, who's the last one? Larry Brown. Hundred hundred wins exactly. Oh, I would have guessed that too. I know Larry. Okay. All right. Larry Brown, yeah, no, for sure. Okay, so um that the that's it's Steve Kerr, when 135 games is is going to get to 100 wins, it's the easiest, easily the the least amount of games it will take someone to get to 100 wins. So kudos to Steve Kerr, kudos to the, to the Warriors for being so great for so long in this extended stretch here with Steph Curry and the in the big three. And that will be it for us today. For clarification on the list, Phil Jackson has 229 wins. Pat Riley has 171 wins. Greg Popovich has 168 wins. Doc Rivers has 109 wins. Eric Spolstra has 101 wins. And Larry Brown has 100 wins. It's crazy how much rest the Suns and Nuggets both received this round. They played on Monday, and by the time you listen to this, played last night. Four days rest is just wild for the playoffs. All four series will be played over the weekend, so we'll have some more clarity the next time we record early next week. Thank you to the Gons for joining me today. Thank you for your listening and for your support. Have a great weekend.